This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. It is time for a little A's Cast Live as we get you ready for the athletics and the New York Yankees, and we talk everything in Major League Baseball. Going to be an interesting day because for the athletics, they've got a guy on the mound that everybody is watching. Everybody. And as we have talked about, When you play against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, when they're doing well, now everybody's really watching. And here we are as the date is June 28th. We're getting into July, and the last time we talked to David Force, we said, hey, is your phone ringing? Oh, yeah, we're starting to really talk. So the wheels are in motion. And Frankie Montas and his last outing was absolutely fantastic. We were looking at the potential of a no-hitter. And that got broken up, and then he got taken out. And, oh, guess what? He got taken out of the game. What do you think happened? Oh, they lost the lead. By who? The bullpen. Yeah, the bullpen. Wild pitches by, well, the guy I thought was going to be the closer. Yeah, um, I did the math yesterday. I know the game notes have just come out, so I haven't looked at the game notes, so we're going to have to go off my – San Jose State math. We'll see if my math is correct. Because I did it yesterday. All right, this their math is wrong. But anyway, it says the A's bullpen has blown three saves in the last five games. And they're three and seven. Three saves, eight blown saves, and a 6.5. Okay, so mine would be for the last. See, I have them for the last 30 games at 6.82 ERA. They have them for a 6-5-4. Either way, it's horrific. That's not right. Cody, can I check? I know this is not the way to uh, start the show, but I'm going to go to my own ERA calculator here, and I think I think our own game notes is wrong. Well, I, I mean, I can while you're doing that, I can just tell you what the overall bullpen is. 70 Oh, I had it for 95, number 96. Hold on, 96. Yep, they're right. So, yeah. but this is still horrific. I mean, 
the last 29 games, they got a 6.54 ERA. And we have seen the blueprint of rushing to get to this bullpen, which for Frankie Montas cost him a win the other day. And today, all eyes are going to be on baseball. I mean, if you watch MLB Network, there was they were naming off all these different teams that are going to be watching tonight's game at Yankee Stadium, and they're looking to see Frankie Montas. Doug Glanville from ESPN. Oh, that's right. He's got the Jason Stark podcast. He's going to be here at 2 o'clock, and Bip Roberts is going to be here at 2.30. Dave Cavill has been rescheduled. And what are we looking at for Cavill? We're trying for Friday after the uh, BCDC vote in Oakland. So we're hoping for Friday. I'm waiting for confirmation from Dave's people, essentially. So your people and Dave peop- Dave's people are? We're, uh, we're negotiating, as they would say. You're, you guys are in talks. Yes. All right. So before we get into A's Yankees, I wanted to bring this up because obviously a lot of the baseball world – think this is the main story going on and it just so happens to be about two garbage teams when you look at two teams that have absolutely disappointed in major league baseball this year you could easily look at the disappointment that is wait for it if they've been disappointing for years the angels and the seattle mariners who won 90 games last year Currently, right now, the Angels are 11 games back and Seattle 12 and a half games back. And I wasn't able to do my third inning hit inside the broadcast yesterday on this because it came down after. So this came down, the suspensions came down as we were like, what, in the fourth or fifth inning yesterday? Major League Baseball came in and just hammered the Angels, hammered three guys, Winker, Crawford, and who else? Uh, I have the whole list right here. It was Winker, Crawford. Uh, oh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yeah, the three Mariners. Rodriguez got two games. All right, whatever. Um, we'll see who's going to appeal whatever. The one guy in this to me that is so head-scratching is Phil Nevin. Now, obviously, Major League Baseball did not like the fact that the Angels were so blatant that we're going to throw an opener out there and we're just going to throw at people, send a message. Because obviously they didn't like earlier in the series a ball going essentially over Mike Trout's head. They didn't like that. So they got out in the first inning, and they're going to send the old-school baseball message. Do I have a problem with that? Nah. You hit one guy, you move on. But they they were they were wouldn't you say gonna do more than that in that first inning? Oh yeah, that's why you put the the opener in there. Yeah, this is gonna be more than just one guy gets it and let's move on. And now you turn this game into a sham. And because of that, Major League Baseball has suspended Phil Nevin ten games. This is one of the longer historic suspensions for a manager. Now, I want you to think about this, the stupidity of this. Here you have a guy that wants to be a manager. The Angels lose 14 games, and they fire their manager. Now you get the shot 
to manage as an interim tag, but yet if you do some things that are well and kind of turn the season around, you, Phil Nevin, former player who grew up in Orange County, who grew up going to Angel games, now has an opportunity to have a big league job more than just third base coach, all the different stuff that he's been doing, you get a chance to manage. There's only 30 of these jobs. But knowing what a red ass, got to be the toughest guy, Phil Nevin has always been this guy. He's always been Johnny Bravado. Which even, There's another way to say it that Mark Kotze said to us, because they're both Fullerton guys. Mark Kotze said this to us off the air. I can't repeat, but it was along the lines of, Phil, ne- Phil Nevin around everybody always has to be the dude. You are basically interviewing for a job while you have the job. A lot of us have done that before. You got to try out. Phil Nevin is essentially trying out on the job. You're getting this opportunity. You're not going through the interview process where they bring Cody in, they bring me in, they bring this guy, this guy, we all interview, and then they decide, all right, we're choosing that guy. You're getting the chance to prove to Perry Manassian. Did I say it correctly? Manassian, you got it. You're getting a chance to prove to him, to Artie Moreno, I'm the guy for the job. You don't need to interview anybody else. I'm the man that can lead these guys to where you want to go, which is the postseason. That is your opportunity. And how many games? How many games? How many games did Phil Nevin manage before he got suspended for ten games? It's not many. He only won seven games uh, as the manager. So he's been suspended for more games than games he's won as the manager. Think about that for a second. So my, that, my lovely daughter, Abigail, is bringing me my, my pre-show coffee. You want to say hello to the – look down into the – Hi. That's my – that's one of the twins right there. Yeah, the days of towns and twin jokes <laughs> and all that stuff is over. They're teenagers. They want no part of it. It was a great bit. If you remember <laughs> the Chris Townsend show on uh, 95.7 The Game, we had towns and twin jokes. I'm pulling up Phil's uh, – He's managed. Did you ever hear Towns and Twin jokes? I have twenty games. I used to have people who would say they would they would stay in their car when they got home from work because they wanted to hear the joke. That's that's either a great I, segment. I had because remember I did I was doing Warriors Raiders and A's all at the same time. I had people at Warrior games tell me this. Raider games, of course, A's games. Towns and Twin jokes was a huge hit, and now they're now they're teenagers. They're too cool. And they want no part of it. By the way, just to show you today, I am wearing a kind of a collector's item for luck today before I start ripping Phil Nevin anymore. <laughs> Do you know what this is, Cody? Um, no, I don't. This is an opening series 2019 Tokyo Japan shirt. You should know this as if you're an Ichiro fan. It was Ichiro's last games as a player. Yes, I know. I was there. How many people have a opening series A's Tokyo Japan shirt? I'm wearing that today in honor of the green and gold to help make something happen. I like the shirt. It looks clean. It doesn't look like you've worn it very much because it's. I don't know how many times I've ever worn it. 
It's not fading or anything like that. Uh, it looks good. Um, no one can see what shirt I have on, but it's Baseballism's uh, home shirt. This came out during COVID. Is that the place we are in Arizona? Yeah, they, they're everywhere. I look, I, the one they had. And a, now we're doing a hat with the three on it. Yeah, or something I, like that. We're doing some giveaway. I went to the. Is uh, that a giveaway or sign up for ticket packages? What, it is. What I, exactly is it? I have it right here. Pick three plus games and unlock a limited edition A's Baseballism hat. Plans start at two games with the Baseballism hat. Being unlocked at three plus games, athletics.com slash tickets to get your three. What, 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 is, uh, what is the significance of this hat and our organization? Well, that, the hat, I believe, is a three up, three down. It's a three and then like the reverse. Let me see if I can find the picture of the hat for you. It has no significance to the A's whatsoever. It's just, I think it's more of our color. So it's three up, three down. So see how the three has an arrow going up and down, and we just put it in like our colors. I, I don't know. Do we have anything specific to an that, elephant? Uh, that I've seen. The A's. That I've seen. The only thing the baseballism has, like they have a lot of ma- major league stuff, like the movie. Oh no, 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 no! I, I I went into their store. I saw a lot of Giants and Dodger stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember what we have with. Uh, if we go to the, the only, you were there with me I in know, Arizona before. The only baseballism store that that we have in the Bay Area is the one across from Oracle Park. On third and and what do you think I'm going to get over across from Oracle Park? Oh, they had Park? some. They had they had. I think they had. Well, they had a 1989 hoodie, and it was like one one part of it was green, and the other part of '89 was uh, orange. As I was taking you to dinner in Scottsdale, Arizona, I'll try. It was in the middle of that, like shopping center, like downtown. Old is that old town? Old old town Scottsdale. As I was taking, was it Los Olivos? Los Olivios, something like that. It was it was a Vuk. Uh, it's Vuk's a Vuk. Steve Vucinich recommends you go, and it's fabulous. By the way, uh, our old boss I sent there on his trip to Scottsdale, and he loved it. That wasn't our first time there. We went there in twenty twenty as well. Didn't quite remember it that 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 time. Oh yeah, <laughs> we got there a little late. Yeah, there was. Not- we're we're, we're kind of closing that joint down. This was <laughs> a different trip. We were. Uh, it was a whole different. Uh, but anyway, how. I mean, just you, you look back on this, and the reason why I'm starting the show is because I, I was just at the gym, as I tell you all the time, the club that I belong to, it's a bunch of old people. I, I, I got it. They're, you know, there's soap operas or CNN or whatever's always on. I go and change it to MLB Network, and every show from High Heat to MLB Now, and this is what everybody's talking about. Everybody... They're either talking about that or how embarrassing it is, by the way, the A's and the two catchers' interference. We've been we, You know what? We've embarrassed ourselves the last couple games. We embarrassed ourselves the Frankie Montas start where he throws no-hit baseball, then we blow it in the ninth because of wild pitches. We can't throw strikes. And then last night we have a lead, and then we give up, what, seven runs in the inning because catcher's interference because you got a guy 6'7", six, 6'5", six, and our catcher literally is right under them. Like, you got to give these big guys some room. I'm not putting it on the Yankees at all. This is not Josh Reddick with the big looping swing, and it happens. You go back and look. I mean, Murph is literally right under these guys. Aaron Judge is 6'7", right? Yes. What do you think? He's going to have a short swing like Tony Gwynn when he's 6'7"? Giancarlo Stanton, do you think he's going to be crouched with this little tight swing like Ricky Henderson? No. He's 6'5". What the hell are you doing right in under him? Yeah, it was a bad, it was a bad inning, bad look. That's uh, on us. I, there, I, Unless you can sell me a different way, which I'm sure there's somebody out there 
that would try and sell me. I think that's on us. But we've had some stupid losses. I mean, it's it's. I did my hit for NBC today about pride. You got to have some pride. Time to have some pride. I, there, there comes a point to where I can give you all these numbers about the Yankees, but you got to have some pride. And we'll get more into that. Uh, to go back to it, though, uh, about Phil Nevin, 20 games he's managed. So you've managed 20 games and now been suspended 10. Yeah, and you've only won seven. Is that is – that, is, is, okay, once again, you've managed 20 games. You're under 500 in those 20 games. You are in a – call it what it is. You're trying to get a job. You're interviewing on the job. This is on-the-job interview, and you get suspended for 10 games? When you step back and look at it, how many people are going to go, this was a really dumb move? I think a lot. And sorry, I was wrong. It's, he was 9-11. and 11. Um, someone saw. Someone said seven on Twitter, and I believed it because I believe, like you, I believe everything on the internet. So he's nine and eleven and twenty. Not your fault. Not your fault. Like, not you or Draymond. Yeah, uh, not your fault. But no, with Nevin managing the twenty games and wanting to get this job, their bench coach Ray Montgomery managed the team last night. The Angels won. But that's not the point. This is this is great. From what I've heard, Ray Montgomery is the guy that the uh, they wanted to be the manager, but he also got suspended two games too. I think. Okay, but he's not suspended until Nevin's suspension's over. (laughs) Then he has to serve. This is how insane this is. Hold on. The The, interpreter. Yeah, I was going to say the interpreter got suspended for two games. The interpreter got suspended. You want to talk about chaos in your organization? So I've gone back and looked at some of They have different camera angles. Do you realize how many old guys were actually involved in this? And when I mean old guys, guys my age. Uh This wasn't all players. No, there was a lot of coaches and stuff. There was a lot, and a lot of angel coaches. Like, you're trying to show leadership. You're trying to show you're a leader of men. And you have nothing but chaos in this where you're coaching. Coaches are not supposed to be grappling, like, yelling and, like, getting into it with players and other coaches. No, not at all. You're supposed to be refraining people. You're supposed to be the adults in the room. They have coaches who are full on in on this thing. It's almost like it wasn't it wasn't as chaotic, but it's almost when uh, Alex Centrone won after Ramon Laureano. That's the last time we saw something. There like you this. go. It's the last time we saw something like this. Yeah, and how did that how did that look for the coach being the instigator? Yeah, not good. It wasn't a good look. And what here's another one that's funny. Um, this player isn't even playing. Got suspended oh. for five games and won't serve until he comes off the injury list. That'd be the next flopped contract in Angels history, Anthony Rendon. That one's kind of funny. And I don't know if you saw MLB Now yesterday. I was watching it when they were talking about this. And Joel Sherman said his point was great because if you want to avoid injuries and, and hitting pitch, hit, you know, players getting hit by pitches and all that nonsense, because Mike Chalk got hit the day before, that's what started all this. And he did hit. When did he get hit? Or it just it, buzzed. Yeah, it. went up inside and then. That all that happened, but he did hit five home runs a week on before. But I guess you're pissed about that, sure. But this all could have been avoided if, as Joel Sherman said, if you want to not have people get injured, Phil, if he had a problem with Scott's service, he should have walked over and punched him in the face. Just Phil Nevin walk over <laughs> and punch him. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And like Joel was like serious now, about it. Now technically, you you'll get arrested for that. That's assault, but yeah, yeah. it's actually fine. But but no, but no one's getting. We're not condoning violence, but no one's. No, that's that's kind of like. 
Phil Nevin is the big bravado guy. Yes. That's who he has always been. Trust me, I played against him in college. That's who he was. Remember, he was the first guy wearing the Oakleys with the color shades. All the big leaguers made fun of him. Now they all do it. He did set that trend. There's no doubt. Uh, playing in the College World Series with Oakleys on. He ma- he helped make Oakleys. But that's who he is. He's the big bravado guy. Well, that big bravado, we're going to go out there and we're going to punk their guys and we're going to do that and we're going to this old school baseball. That just got you suspended. How am I supposed to sell him now as my future manager? It's going to be a really hard a really hard look for Perry Manassian and the Angels organization for – an organization, as Hembo went off and said it brilliantly yesterday, but how just, and I guess, not, and that's not the right word, but just how bad they've been since Mike Trout came up or has been in the system. I mean, like he said yesterday, they've had no winning seasons combined in the minor leagues since 2013. But right now, if you're trying to get Nevin to be your manager. So what he's talking about is big league level and the entire minor league level. The entire minor league level, if you add up all the wins and losses of all their teams, they haven't had a 500 record in the minor league level since 2013. Mike Trout's second full year in the majors. Think about that. So they haven't been 500 in a baseball season at the big league level since 15? 15, yeah. They haven't been 500 at the minor league level since 2013. So there's just losing, managers getting fired, GMs getting replaced. We're trying to sell that there's not chaos here, right? We're trying to sell not chaos, and then this happens – and there's, there's just not chaos. There's utter chaos. You've got coaches, interpreter. You've got everybody. I mean, it, it literally just shows you how dysfunctional a franchise that once under Mike Sosha was a standard. They were always competitive. They played the right way. They were tough. They took first to third better than anybody else. The Angels were a well-run franchise, and they battled those great A's teams in the early 2000s to now you've got the interpreter. Why is an interpreter (laughs) out there? Well, remember, Rossiel Iglesias, the closer, some um, peanuts on the the field or sunflower seeds. Uh, It's a mess. It's a mess. And like I said, the guy that took over, Ray Montgomery, the bench coach, who worked in the front office prior to this year, was rumored to be the guy they wanted to replace Joe Madden. When his contract ran up. And now it's Phil Nevin. So, hey, if you're Ray Montgomery, you're like, well, I already got to win. I've managed one game. I got to win. This could be look good for my, you know, me interviewing for a job at the end of the year. So let me say this, too, for essentially how many teams make the playoffs in the American League? Uh, is it six now? So you've got three teams that are going to win your division. Or, or not your division, a division. Correct. Okay, so you're going to have a team in the East. I got the standings right in front of me. You got the East, you got the Central, you got the West. There's your three. Now, you start looking at the top teams in baseball in the American League. They're all in the East. So, if you're in the Central, your old buddy Tony Tony LaRussa, you're not – unless we see – a dramatic shift, which is possible. Someone can tank. Someone, you know, anything can happen, right? Someone can just go on a total dumpster dive. But unless there's a dumpster dive, if you're a team in the Central, you essentially have to win the Central or you're not making the playoffs. 
Correct. And we, I think we can. It's a. I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion. But it's pretty close that the the, the wild card teams are going to come from the AL East. Unless something dramatically happens, we are what's called forecasting right now. Yep. You can be wrong on your forecasting. Like when they said um, inflation was transitory, they were forecasting, and they were wrong. When they said gas prices weren't going to get too crazy, they were forecasting they were wrong. We're doing the same thing, so we could be wrong too. Like- but as of right now, what you're saying is – Boston at 42 and 32. And by the way, they're playing Toronto right now, which is a great series. If you like just good baseball, uh, Boston Toronto is a very good series. Toronto won yesterday in game one. Are they playing three or four? Uh, that's a good question. They are playing a three game set. Toronto won yesterday. They shut them out yesterday? When I was watching, no, it was four nothing. Oh, it was, nah, it wasn't a shutout. But, yeah, but Boston, Boston's 19 and five. In June, tied for the second-best record with the Braves. The Yankees have the best record in June. So, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, those are your wild-card teams right there. That's four, five, and six in the playoffs. Yeah, and like – So, if you're Phil Nevin getting back, bring the train back, do we have somebody at 130? No. If – If Phil Nevin wants to retain his job, I'm going to say it right here. As I said, I made the prediction yesterday. It wasn't a prediction. It was a guarantee. It was a guarantee. All it right. was a guarantee, Joe. I guaranteed Yankees won't go to the win the World Series. I should have guaranteed they won't even go to the World Series. But I guaranteed you the Yankees won't win the World Series. I'm going to give you another one. For Phil Nevin to retain his job, now after all of this, the hurdle just got bigger. The hurdle went, whoop, way up. Angels got to make the playoffs. He's got to be able to sell – that what I did against the Mariners, yeah, it might have looked bad, but it turned these guys around. It hit the reset button. I need my guys to get tougher. I need Trout. I need Otani. I need all these guys. I need Walsh. I need all these guys to be tougher. Syndergaard's got to grow a pair. You know, he's got to play all that. And, and because of what we did against the Mariners, that fight brought us together as a team, and we made the postseason. That's the only way you, Manassian, uh, uh, Artie Moreno, that's the only way you're going to be able to sell this guy to, for him to keep his job at the end. You're an interim manager. You're interviewing for a job on the job, and you just got suspended for 10 games. That's a bad look. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, what's I'm drawing a blank on the guy that took over for Joe Girardi, but the Phillies are 39 39- they're four games over, and they're they're trying to make a run in the NL. Where now they lost Bryce Harper for six weeks, and they're hoping he'll get back. But still, he's turned the, he's turned the ship around. Where the Angels are still four games under. Look at it this way: the Baltimore Orioles are thirty-five and forty. They are one win away. Orioles are about to have their first. No, they already clinched it. They, they clinched cl- their first, first winning month since August of twenty seventeen. I saw that on MLB Network today. It's unbelievable. It's amazing what I see on the pre-core. 
But as I'm sitting there doing it, I'm like, oh, my God, they have been bad. Yeah, but Adley Rushman hit a bomb yesterday. All his family's there because he's from Portland. Uh, they, they're playing a lot better. Their bullpen is uh, – a lot of people don't know their bullpen is very good in, in Baltimore. Oh, they were good when – remember when the A's yeah. were playing them? They are like, hey, listen, I remember – no offense – it was the guy – it was somebody was doing A's pre- and post-game live and was like, oh, you know, I just think, you know, the A's got to get to their bullpen. You're like, uh, that's actually Baltimore's strength. I mean, it was somebody who's not a baseball person. It was – Yeah. People got to fill in. It is what it is. But I was like, uh, what? No, we don't want to get in there. You want that starter to be out there as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. Because that has been a strength for the Orioles has been their bullpen. Yeah, their bullpen has been great where the A's have the – if you want to go ERA wise, we the A's have the second worst bullpen ERA in, in the American League behind only it's the Roy- behind only the Royals. It's terrible. Hey, how about this? All right, never mind. Go ahead. I was about to. No, go no, no. I was just gonna. I was just saying, like, Bal- like the AL East is really competitive, and Baltimore's right there. I mean, they're not. They're not going anywhere. Whoa, this year. whoa, they're not. They're not right going there. anywhere this year. But they're thirty-five and forty. But I'm saying they have, they have they're thirty-five and forty. That's pretty impressive. Look at the look at the uh, the AL Central. Kansas City twenty-six wins. Detroit twenty-eight wins. Tony and the White Sox, thirty-four wins. Do you, I've been trying. I've been trying to to tell people this. You want to go? How many teams are under five hundred in baseball? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fifteen. The two in the, in the 14 NL. 15. Half the league is under 500. Yeah, it's not good. Half of all teams are under 500. I've been telling you, there is no middle ground. You're either here or you're here. And that is the system you play in. And if you want to not have that system, you got to have a salary cap. Even though some of the teams that are under 500 are teams spending money. I get it. Nothing's perfect. But if you want everybody playing, if you want everybody to fish in the same pond, you want everybody to fish off the same pier, you want everybody hunting in the same woods. I mean, I can go all day with this. You all want to trick or treat in the same neighborhood. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> you got to have since, a salary cap. Since that's your big, that's your big holiday. Halloween is my big thing. I will I will throw up pictures this year. You know what? Since we're now on video, I'll do a whole video thing on my Halloween. Probably not a bad idea. Got a lot of views on that. I haven't had a, I haven't had my big Halloween party in two years. I'm looking forward to that. Two well we uh well hopefully I'm invited. You were invited to the last one. Yeah, well remember the next day is my birthday, so it's a big celebration for me. Just me only. No one has to celebrate my birthday. I'm only, no, I'm, no, who's gonna care? You're turning like thirty four. Wow, wow. Very good. Yeah, who cares? Next year's a big one. 34 is nothing. Next year's 35. I think we're going to go to Vancouver for my birthday. 30 is a big deal because you're now out of your 20s. Oh, I agree. Like, for sure. Like, if you're in your 20s and you're like, oh, I'm 25, I'm 26. Then you hit 29 and you're like, you're like, wow. And then you hit 30 and you got to go, God, I'm in my 30s. So your teenage years are well behind you. You're a young adult, but now you got to start. You got to start moving here in your thirties. You got to start. You got to start making advancements. Because if you don't start making advancements in your thirties, 
which some people are having pro. This new generation is having a problem with their 30s. 30s, you got to start making hay because the 30s springboard you into your 40s, and that's where you got to really be rocking. And your 50s, because that, that's it. And then once you hit your 60s, it's you're now looking, how am I, how am I winding down in life? Not exactly. You can still be physically fit, physically active. But when you're in your 60s, you know, you're probably looking at grandchildren. You're starting to look into life in a different, you're like, you're in a different world. But yeah, you're 30, you're 30, yeah, you're fine. 34? I didn't trip on 40. A lot of people trip on 40. But did you on 50? No, you saw me on 50. Uh, Was I tripping? I wasn't. I don't trip on birthdays. No, I think I was looking forward to 30. And 25 is cool because you get a reduction in your car insurance. But uh, God, you're cheap. You think about <laughs> stuff like that. Unbelievable. But, like, well, but what do you have to look forward to? Unbelievable. Turned, after 30, what do you look forward to? Getting a senior citizen discount at, at, a, at a restaurant? Unbelievable. I mean, after 30? Yeah. This is the prime of your life. Yeah. Yeah, this is when you need to go buy a home. This is when you stop being a renter. This is when you this is when you get into the prime of your life. You're heading into your prime years. No more hand a check over to somebody renting. Start, you know, what the hell's it, a check? <laughs> start having kids, start having a family, be an adult. Be a man. That's a, what you need to start doing in your 30s. I'll, I'll buy a house eventually. Yeah. Well, well, we can afford it. That's well, you know, you you prepare for that in your twenties and your thirties. Oh, my wife's been saving. I mean, I have too, but nowhere near as much. You as don't she be has. like, oh, we're going to Pismo Beach for the twelfth time this year. It's a fr- you a- don't do that. You sacrifice in your life. That's, but you we, make sacrifices. But we save for free. It's like I'm paying for it. Oh, that gas you worry about. Well, now yeah, I don't go now. You cheap. I'm going to take Amtrak next time. It might be just as, it might cost just as much. Amtrak. Jumped we up. do have fans that take, like, from Sacramento down the, uh, what's it called, the Ca- corridor? Capital uh, Corridor. Capital Corridor. You can take Amtrak, too. I and like the train. I do, too. I, Caltrain in San Francisco is the best. Yeah. I mean, you can have beverages on there. They got bathrooms. You take it all the way up into the city. You take it all the way back. Yeah, you don't have to worry about driving and parking in the city. Oh, I love taking the train. It's, uh, it's old school. That's how I used to get to work when we worked in San Francisco a lot. I mean, then I started driving because I had to. But when I didn't have to, train every time. So it's like Bart to the Coliseum. Now that we have one in San Jose, taking Bart to the Coliseum is awesome from San Jose. Everything was all fun and games for me until, unfortunately, someone took their life with the train. And I got stuck at the Palo Alto Oh yeah, for like almost three hours. It happened to me once before, too. And luckily, was it Palo Alto? I think it was Palo Alto. There was a restaurant right over, and it was Monday night football. So I was able to go over there and have dinner and watch the football game. But part of the problem is you don't know when the train is going. But it was like for three hours had to wait. Yeah, this is probably prior to Uber, I'm assuming. No, Uber was going on. Okay. Yeah, I was say because, I mean. But you've already paid for the train. I mean, you're yeah. like, you're going to wait for the train. I sat there, watched football, and had dinner. But it was like you waited for like three. That there are so many times where you know you don't have the the idiots next to you in your car. <laughs> True. That's right? why. That's why I like taking. You don't it. have the person that smells next to you in your car. There are a lot of advantages to having your car. 
Yeah, I take it. I like taking the train for, like you said, the if you want to have a few beverages when you're going somewhere in the city, and you have to sit in traffic. The train just keeps rolling along. Can we help Frankie Montas today? Um, I mean, do you think the players help him how? Win a game or yeah? Because I say I hope you're not talking about increasing his trade value. Do you think the players know how bad they've been behind him? Um. They'll they'll say no, they don't know, they don't pay attention to that, but they got I think they know. I mean, Frankie Montas, the A's have lost eleven of his twelve starts. Eleven of his last twelve, I should say. Yeah, twelve of his last fifteen. <laughs> they've lost they've lost eleven of twelve, and during that time, Frankie has a three point one one ERA. Yeah. That's terrible. I looked over his last six starts as overall. He's one and three of the two seven seven. Like that's that's all going back to the start where he only won an inning and two thirds. I mean, what? At what point? Once again, at what point do you got to have pride? And I know it's easy to say from a studio and oh, and I got makeup on and all that kind of stuff, but. Part of the problem is when you go out and you make blunders and you have bad numbers and you do it in Oakland, nobody cares. No offense, but nobody cares. You now go to New York and you're playing the Yankees when the Yankees are on another historic run and you do it in New York now everybody's watching. Against the Royals in Oakland, basically only people in the Bay Area and Kansas City are watching. When the Yankees are playing, you have the whole eastern seaboards watching. And all the people that cover this game, everybody at MLB Network, everybody at ESPN, Everybody is watching what the Yankees are doing. Why? Because the Yankees get ratings. And so anything the the Yankees do, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, it's going to be showcased. And when when you look like buffoons out there against the Yankees, everybody's going to see it. Now you can go on your merry way, and after this go to Seattle and be playing games at 7. What time do the Mariners play these days? Every, uh, everybody's switched. Well, let's see. Our game's against them on Thursday and Friday. I believe we're at 7-10. That's 10-10 on the East Coast, so nobody's watching. So you can blunder your way around and not hit and do all this thing, play bad defense and have a bullpen that can't get anybody out. You can do all that in Seattle starting at 7-10 West Coast time, 10-10 on the East. Nobody cares. You just become a part of a little highlight package on Quick Pitch, on MLB Network, you may get one highlight on SportsCenter. Maybe. You do it at Yankee Stadium with the Yankees, and it's going to lead the A block. A block is the first block, the most important block, of the television show. So if you've got a highlight show like Quick Pitch, SportsCenter, the first series of stuff you see is the A block. You're now making the A block. And everybody's watching, and everybody's seeing it. And they're just not going to put up the score, 
winner, loser, save, hits, errors. They're just not going to do that. They're going to play a bunch of highlights. I've now seen a bunch of highlights from our game yesterday. I saw it when I got off the air last night. I saw it this morning, and I saw it working out. Everybody in baseball got to see this. If you didn't know who Sean Murphy is, Big Murph. Guess what? They all saw you, and they saw you with two catchers interferences and two errors. Correct me where I'm wrong. Fact check me. You're not wrong. This is what they're saying. The, the baseball world is now seeing you. Yeah, because, I mean, again, it's intensified because you're playing in New York against the Yankees. And just not playing it. You're, you're playing the Yankees when they're on a, on a great yeah. run. I mean, And if the Yankees were under 500, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But the Yankees aren't under 500. The Yankees are looking to become the fifth team in the live ball era. Do you know when the live ball era started? 1920. 1920. They're looking to be the fifth team to win 55 of their first 75. Joining the, can you name them? You heard me do it already. Yeah, but um, I, I know the 1929 Oakland Athletics, or Philadelphia Athletics. The 1928 Yankees, the 1929 Philadelphia A's, that team was 55 and 20. 01 Mariners. 01 Mariners. 98 Yankees. And 98 Yankees. So they're on a historic run. So they, they should be getting all the love they're getting. They're doing it. I mean, I got all kinds of stuff for you. The Yankees are 23-20 and 20 in games where they have trailed this season. Best record in baseball. That's impressive. Yeah, that actually really is. That's really impressive. Each of the Yankees' last four victories, they've come from behind from three runs or more. That's impressive. Yankees lead Major League Baseball in home runs in June, 54. 54. That's three more than the A's have hit all season. They've hit more home runs in June than the A's have hit all season. Do you know the record for most home runs in a month? I, I mean, I know what the record for the season is on a month. Do you know what the record is for June? You want to take a... 65. Let me get my... Uh, do you have more of this? Um, I, I do. Cody, but... if you weren't paying attention to yesterday's show, Cody brought me liquid death. I don't want. I want this on the table, so I want you to bring another one so I can try it. I don't want to open uh, okay. this. Uh, I should be able to take one out of the case. Told you it's friend left it over. Uh, 65 home runs. Most home runs in the month of June ever is 56. Oh. Accomplished, as you know. I, you know, by the way, I hate when people are talking to me. They go, as you know. Because basically they're saying you don't know. Right? When people have a conversation, well, as you know. Well, hey, by the way. What I, the hell does that mean? I know I don't know. And I don't have a And once again, I don't have a problem saying I don't know. I will pat myself on the back because a good host will always bring it back to him. I'm going to tell you <laughs> why so many A's fans, you were wrong and I was right. We're going to play a little game. I'm right, you're wrong coming up here. Okay. And you have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, I don't. You don't. And it goes to all the call. What's the number one thing downloaded off athletics.com? Uh, Ace cast? Nope. Oh, the postgame show. The postgame show. We call it the clubhouse show. It used to be A's talk, clubhouse show. It's changed. But it's the number one show by far. When we do all these shows and all the stuff that's downloaded, 
What show is downloaded by so much more than anything else you can't even put them in the same class? The Clubhouse Show. All right. Callers on the Clubhouse Show, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to prove it. And what's cool is what I appreciate so much is so many of you download the show because you can't stay up late at night, so you listen to it in the morning. Maybe you're working out, you're going for a walk. I encourage everybody to get out and do some exercise every day. And the Clubhouse Show is a great way. It's about an hour. Depends how angry I am. Sometimes I'll go longer. Depends on how much coffee I've had. Sometimes I'll go an hour and a half. Sometimes I've been known to go for three. Robert Costa does everything he can to keep me from going long. But (laughs) I go long. So if you want an hour and 20 workout, I am your guy. All right. 56 was done by the Orioles in 2016 and the Braves in 2019, the most in June. The most ever to educate all of us. I didn't know this. Most home runs in a single month ever was August of 2019. Think about this. The Yankees have hit they hit 74 home runs in 2019 in August. Uh that was in 19? 19. That was the year they finished with 306 home runs. 74 home runs in a month. That's impressive. I I vaguely remember that run they won on with those home runs. By the way, I, their place is a band box. Like Rizzo's home run yesterday is a joke. But it is what it is. You play where you play. Oh, uh, speaking of that, Forbes Field. Did yeah. you see that on High Heat? I heard of it. Our, ma- our guy Mad Dog Russo did the tribute to yeah. your Pittsburgh home. 52 years ago, I believe it was. That Forbes Field closed down on this date. They had a double header, and this was it. After this, they would go play at Three Rivers. That dump. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a great ball. It, I mean, it was at first. Did but. you know that the Steelers played games at uh, Forbes Field? No. I knew that, obviously, the Pirates did. They still have part of the wall in Forbes Field in, Pitts- in Pittsburgh. It's all covered by, like, I- Ivy and Like, University of Pitt? University yeah. of Pittsburgh? You got you to gotta remember, years ago, Pitt football was legit. I mean, you produced Tony well, Dorsett, well, Dan Marino. When you say years ago, you're talking about 50 years ago. They were legit. 45. Dan Marino's not that old. I'm thinking of Dorsett. Okay, so 40 years ago. Dan Marino, they were legit. Yeah, yeah and they haven't done anything since. I'm trying, I'm trying to help out you Western Pennsylvania <laughs> people here. We've had, they've had one quarterback drafted in the first uh, – one quarterback that's been legit since Dan Marino, he just got drafted this year. So you stop cheating, you stop losing. It is what it is. <laughs> And now everybody's going to be in the SEC, by the way. Yeah, well, you, what you're saying, though, the Steelers, and I didn't know that they both played that. What do you think about that, Roxy Bernstein, in your soft pack 12? Everybody's now going to be in the SEC as Texas and Oklahoma are going. Does, does, it, does it matter? Because Texas, is, Texas has Arch Manning now, Peyton's nephew. Yeah. They're going to be on TV every week. They're on TV every week anyway. They have their own network. I know, but Texas has their own. Wait, so what is it? The long hey, run? A's fans, we have A's cast. The University of Texas has their own cable network. Yeah. <laughs> Texas. That's how big the University of Texas is. We've got A's cast. We're happy just to be on YouTube and Twitter. They have their own cable network. Yeah. Well, they've, they've They're asked. not. Okay. I guess they'll be a part of the SEC network. Texas has their own Not Pac-12, not Big Ten, not SEC, not ACC. They have their own Longhorn Network. That's how big the University of Texas is. Uh, Think Arch Manning will be any good? We'll see. Let's see. His his grandfather was a great NFL quarterback. 
His dad was a great wide receiver until he had the spinal issue. His uncle is top five greatest quarterbacks of all time. Peyton Manning? I don't disagree with that. I think he is. I would say higher, but then I hear people go, well, Joe Montana and Marino. Montana's up there. So is Marino, but I think Peyton's. Brady's up there. I, Brady's up there. Peyton's up there. Uh, then his other uncle won two Super Bowls, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I got to think if I had to put money on Arch Manning, I mean, yeah, if he's a stock, I got to buy high, but I think long-term I'm going to make my money. Yeah, he'll, I think he'll. I think he'll have a nice little career. I think he'll have a little bit of a career. You you were throwing you were throwing at Yankee stats. I was going to throw you one more. They've had seventy four games this year. Their starting five has started seventy one of the seventy four games. They're what? They're five starters: Cole, Nasty Nestor, Jameson Tyone, Jordan Montgomery, and Luis Severino have started seventy one of their seventy four games this year. That's impressive. But you know what? They don't scare me in a in a series. Well, you're not afraid of Nasty Nestor. Nope. And and I and I. Knowing how everybody works now, you know, it's like funny. I mean, Vince brought this up to me. Oh, but, you know, Garrett Cole, you know, last year they had him in game seven. That was bad. What, what, what the hell has Garrett Cole done? And, and, by the way, would I bet Garrett Cole even goes six innings in a playoff game? Probably not. Do you read that again? Jamison Tyon, that Pittsburgh Pirates. Isn't that the guy from the Pirates? Well, so is Garrett Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Read me that. T- tell me how scared. I'm sitting there. Let's say I'm a red-hot team, right? I've finished the season. I've got the it factor. I'm the Atlanta Braves of last year. Is that a good example? Yeah, they were good. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm Ron Washington, the Atlanta Braves. Read that to me again. Uh, Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Jamison Tyone, Jordan Montgomery, and Luis Severino have started 71 of the Yankees' 74 games this year. I'm not afraid of that. They have a new guy starting today, by the way. Uh, J.P. Sears. Sears. It's his second start, I believe, this year. He likes uh, – He's 2-0. J.P. Sears, last pitch for the Yanks on May 25th. He threw five scoreless to beat the Orioles. You fear the lefty J.P. Sears? I had a look When's up. the last time you've been to Sears? Oh, uh, I got tires down there a couple of years ago. Working at Sears sucks, Crash. Selling – Selling Lady Kenmore's. Have you ever seen Bull Durham? Yeah. Okay. But um, I thought that was I thought that was pretty impressive for them because usually their pitching's been so up and down, but they've been pretty consistent this year. Especially, I mean, Nestor Cortez has been a, a revelation for them. But Montgomery, they, A's got to him early, and then he pitched well the rest of the time. Um, Tyone's been healthy. Severino's been healthy now. Who knows? Maybe they'll ask someone at the deadline. Frankie Montas, according to Peter Gammons. Peter Gammons is saying – What's Peter Gammons saying? The Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons reported in The Athletic that Yankees GM Brian Cashman is going to make a run at Montas. The thing with the Yankees is, is you're not going to get their number one guy, Jason Dominguez. No, sorry, their number one guy is um, the shortstop. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the new name. Jeter. Uh, yeah, essentially, who's not hitting in double A. It's like them are the two top guys. I doubt the Yankees get those guys up, but they'll give away a bunch of quality – they they do more uh, they'll do quality over or quantity over quality is what they'll do. They'll give you like five guys that are like in their top like fifteen to twenty. Uh, Anthony Volpe is the shortstop, by the way. Volpe. Yeah, kind of reminds me of Pache. If he doesn't hit in the minors, why do you think he's going to hit the big league level? It's fair. I don't know. I mean, what is? Let me see what Volpe's actually hitting. Tell me what Pache hit in the minor leagues. 
Oh, I'm on Volpe right now. 21 years old. He had a walk-off home run the other night. I guess that's a big deal in minor leagues. Um, let's see, this year, Volpe is hitting 238 with 10 home runs and 37 RBI for the Yankees as their number one prospect. Christian Pache. Let's see what he did in the minors. He's in 163 this year, negative 0.6 war. Well, I thought his defense would help increase that. Maybe that's what's keeping him from being lower. Uh, his career in the minors, he hit 280 with 32 home runs and 215 runs driven in. Last year at AAA Gwinnett for the Braves, 265. 11 and 11 homers, 44 RBI. Yes, he, he hit way better than I thought. I thought it was lower than that. Yeah, so, I mean, you're hoping that the bat will come around eventually for him. But the A's did get an outfielder back today. So, AAA, 267. Yeah. Double A. 274. 274. 285 in high A. Whoa. He was really good in, rookie, in the rookie league at 309. Uh, that, that definitely – Boost up the overall <laughs> average. Uh, did you see the Piscotti's back? Yeah. If anyone didn't know, Stephen Piscotti back, Jonah Bride to the injured list. Yeah, shoulder for Jonah Bride. What, what I saw on the ticker. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't read. Do we? Do we get an email? Yeah. It's uh. Let's see. I think I have it in here. Yep. Strained right shoulder for Jonah Bride. Retroactive to June. So retroactive to yesterday. So I'm going to say I'm wrong. Pache hit better than I thought in the minors. 280 is I, 267 in AAA is not bad. I mean, you're facing guys that are most likely going to be major leaguers and or probably were major leaguers and back in AAA working. I tell you back, he hit better. He hit better than I thought. Is he hell on wheels? No, but he hit better than I thought. I'll give him that. I mean, the other day, it was funny. The other day, he was hitting 108 in June, two hits, just getting two hits took his batting average from 108 to, like, 147 in June. But, I mean, we're months in, and it's still a major league struggle. Speaking of June, I, I don't want to bring this up. Don't I'm, bring it up, then. Well, it's just like, hey, I'm, no disrespect, but hold on, I'm going to disrespect you. Tell me about – tell me about – I'm going to give you a guy. I, you want positivity? I'm going to give you a guy. Seth Brown. Friend of the program. Seth Brown is hitting 440, two jacks, five RBIs the last six games. Has the lineup out yet? Is he going to be in today based off uh, based off that this J.P. Sears guy is the left-handed pitcher? Let's find out. Uh, yeah, the lineup today is Nick Allen leading off Ramon Christian Bethencourt, Murph, Piscotti DHing, Elvis, Pinder, Noisy, Pache. Piscotti's at put up or shut up time? I think so. Is that where we're at? Like, all right, listen, Bay Area kid, we know everything you've been through. We're rooting for you, your family. The whole thing is a great story. But we got to get back to baseball here. Can you stay can you stay healthy and can you produce? You're our highest paid player, right? Yes, he is. Uh, actually, I think he is. 
Well, it depends on how much. Uh, uh, we don't know the deals on details yeah, on Elvis. Elvis. They're paying like seven million of his seven point two five. Texas pays the salary. Okay, so yeah, then he would because Frankie got like five million, I think, in arbitration. So yeah, Piscotti. I would think Piscotti is our highest paid guy, and he's played in how many games this year? Hey, Seth Brown. Seth Brown's hitting two fifty six, five jacks in June. He teases you, by the way. Seth Brown is the kind of guy that there are nights where you go, God, this guy can play, right? This guy's got power. This guy can go the other way. This guy can run. He can play. He can play right. He can play all three outfield positions. For sure. Including center. Play first. He's not going to embarrass you at first. I mean, he's a versatile guy. There's times where you go, whoo, and then there's other times you're just, it's maddening, right? Like, May wasn't a great month. He hit 222 in May. He hit 194 in April. So he's heating up a little bit, but just he's a great story. I would love to see Seth Brown really, I mean, maybe really playing against righties, staying away from lefties will help out. Yeah. Uh, and he becomes a weapon off the bench, you know, when the lefty starter comes out. Doesn't he also lead the team in home runs? Kind of have to have him in the lineup. Well, the, the, yeah. the A's have only hit um, 51 on the season. But he, has, so. he has 10 of them, though, so he already ha- he has a fifth of their home runs. <laughs> the Yankees have more home runs this month than we have total. Yeah, that's that's never good, especially in this kind of in the environment baseball is in right now. It's the humidor's fault. It's the humidor's fault. Coming up next, Doug Glanville, one of our favorites, the professor. This guy, a professor at UConn. Was a former uh, player, was really good, now turned broadcaster. Joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, we, we mention it all the time when we have him on. He's the smartest guy in baseball. <laughs> Nobody better. How are you? It's been a while. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing well. Where, I, I can't complain. I yeah. got I got to think for you like what? Like finals, school, everything's over <laughs> and you can just concentrate on baseball now. Well, no, I, you know, this semester once I started, once I found out I was going to do Sunday night radio with ESPN. Yeah. I uh I realized like wait a minute, it's going to be a lot to teach in the same semester where I'm doing the playoffs and, you know, all the the pennant race stuff. So I decided that it'd be better if I just uh, taught in the spring 
where you start in January, you don't have the conflict. So, uh, but I'm still paying attention to the materials and chiming in when I can, but I'm looking towards the spring semester to kick it in gear. So what is it like for you now as your career is expanding and you start looking at the different things that you're doing, like you said, now we're going to be talking about postseason and everything. So, so what's going on and how great is this for your career? I mean, it's great. You know, what's so interesting is I realized all those years at ESPN, I hadn't done really any playoffs or I had, I'm, like this year, I'm calling the all-star game on radio with John Shambi. Awesome. I, I haven't done any of that stuff. I mean, I was a studio guy mostly. And when I did Wednesday night baseball, I was focused towards the season. And really, we knew the marquee games were really Sundays. So what I love about it is radio, it's a little more low key. You know, you don't have all the production elements like meetings around like what graphics you're using. It's just like, hey, get your information, figure out what's important to share with the fans. And what's cool is, you know, we've obviously we've been a lot of isolation the last couple of years. I hadn't seen guys as for a long time. You know, I've been at Cub stuff, but I haven't been able to travel the same way. So it's good to find out like, oh, Tomas Perez is coaching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, just old teammates, you know. So that part has been um, really fun. And I, I love it. I write a, a poem before every game and I, I read it. And, you know, they just say, hey, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, when we look around baseball, we were just talking about it, and we'll get into about the Yankees and the A's, and because I, I think it's an interesting dynamic between the team with the best record and the team with the worst record, and kind of where baseball is. And one of the ways to look at this is just to look at the standings. And when you see we're not in July yet, and half the teams are not 500, what does that tell you about the sport? I mean, that's a good point. And, and you, you do see, you wonder where that line is to be have and have nots, right? And, and the decision to, for the teams that are below that line, what their decision-making process is going to be. Are they going to say, well, hey, let's just build for the future and then effectively become farm teams for the teams that are making that push? You know, I know they added another couple of playoff teams, but even that is above the line. And, and I think it should be. I don't think teams like under 500 should make the postseason when you play 162 games. I mean, that's a lot of evidence right there. Uh, but but there's no doubt that things are sorting out after we had the shortened 2020 season. And you wanted to see, you know, with that playoff format where they had all these wildcard teams. And you wanted to see how things would reset. And and look, resources matter. And, and although there's teams that, like the A's, have found ways to win, you know, does this be able to, have that extra push to, you know, acquire someone at the deadline or just have the depth that the Dodgers have where they have like 18 all-stars. I mean, yeah, you're, you're in a better driver's seat. There's no question about that. And, and, uh, and it's something that baseball is constantly trying to address and, you know, maybe the lottery system and drafts, so maybe things will help a little bit, but there's still an elephant in the room. If you are running the A's and you got Frankie Montas, who a lot of people, and you know Peter Gammons real well, and Peter Gammons is reporting that Brian Cashman wants to come out after Frankie. His last outing, he had a no-hitter into the eighth inning. You're now pitching on this big stage. Yankees are the best team in baseball. Everybody's watching every moment. You go out again as Frankie Montas, have another good inning. How do you handle it? Do you want those phone calls rolling in right now, or do you want to wait till the very end and try and find a GM who is the most desperate or a couple super desperate GMs who are fighting each other at the very end to get Frankie? 
Well, you know, the advantage the A's have in this particular case, and, and some of it is a shame. We, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. <laughs> but the advantage they have is all these teams will be interested. And, and pitching has been, you know, it, it, there was a shortage of it to some degree, even going into postseason. Once you got past Max Scherzer and a couple of like, who are the free agents? So they are in control. And that way you can go out and say, hey, what pieces are we looking to add? And then work that way. What team is going to give us the best shot? of building where we want to go, whether it's by position or by depth or experience. So that's the advantage because it's not just the Yankees that are going to come knocking. It, it's not, and it's not just who's going to pay the big biggest price. It's like what prospects, if you're making that move, uh, is going to, is going to bolster your organization going forward. So I think they're still in a good position and they just have to decide those pieces of what elements there are. And, and right now, look, these are struggling. I mean, they, they have, you know, last in, in batting average and run score, you know, they're just, they're, they're in such a rebuild mode that a lot of pieces are necessary. But the question is when you get these young pieces, what happens? Are, do you just turn them over and, and rototill them into like some other organization or can you actually add the pieces to now go to the next level? And it remains to be seen based on the season. And there is, you know, uh, I'm finding a debate on how, when you get those pieces, how to handle it, because I look at other sports, but then old school baseball, people want to say, oh, you can't compare baseball. And I go, wait a minute. Why not? Old school people want, I if I draft Doug Glanville or if I trade for Doug Glanville, I want to stick you in the minors for X amount of at-bats, X amount of innings pitched. And I'm going, wait a minute. I can look around at the Atlanta Braves. They got a bunch of guys who are 22, 23. I mean, how long do I really want to see guys in the minor leagues in modern-day baseball when I'm watching these other teams start to bring guys up 25 or younger? Let's go. Do you still subscribe to, I got to keep you in the minor leagues for 1,500 bats? Or, hey, man, I got to see this guy play because we know we don't want to pay guys in their 30s. <laughs> I'll tell you, you make an excellent point, and and I wanted to sort of repeat that that message. You know, what you're looking at now is you have these young guys that are productive, you know, like right away. They're they're coming up, and they're able to produce. And and you think, let's go back to the Chicago Cubs 2016 team. You know, you have Chris Bryant. So you had guys that kind of produced beyond their years. You know, and so when you have guys like that, what you're able to do is when you acquire the pieces you already have the, the productivity. It's not like, oh, let me get like a middle of the order guy that's going to do now because you already have young guys that are doing that. And that's the best of all worlds because you have a longer horizon of productivity, Rizzo, all these cats that they were part of. And so the expectation is skewed younger now that when you have Acuna Juniors and Tatis and all these cats that are like producing right away, they're stars, then you don't, it doesn't give you a, as long a horizon of patience to be like, Wait a minute, why aren't these guys like, you know, yeah, fine, they're young. They are young, 22. I mean, I got drafted at 20 going to 21. So I understand that from one level, but they're, these guys are producing. And, and so, it's, so you have to try to find that combination, ideally, that you have a young guy who's beyond his years in productivity and maturity. And then, you, then you're able to have a lot more freedom when you add the other pieces of experience. So, yes, I think you can challenge the A's or challenge the organization and say, wait a minute, like, how are we doing this? Because being young is not enough of an answer anymore. And, and so in terms of what I subscribe to, you know, yeah, I, I have a sensibility around learning all the facets of the game, right? Okay, that's great. You can hit, you know, whatever, but can you run the bases? Can you slide? Do you know how to do, 
you know, that's not as necessary today because there's so much focus on the specialization of what's important. Do you get on base? Do you hit for some power? Are you a guy throws 100 miles an hour? Uh, yeah, you're in the zone, maybe, whatever, but that's not. So they, I think there is a missing piece and a loss to development when you just focus on one element to say this is what makes you ready. But that is the game today, you know, and, and if you need a guy throwing 100, you just you get the next guy, right? <laughs> and then you bring him in, whether he can hit the corner or <laughs> uh, if you guys throwing 100 and with movement, you don't have to hit a whole lot of corners. OK, <laughs> that's that's what we're looking at today. Yeah, I, I, I look at the game and from development. And I'd like to bring golf into it because we're golf and baseball are very similar now with the way everybody's using TrackMan and Hawkeye and the way baseball uses StatCast. I like to call them whether in golf you're a range warrior or in baseball you're you're a batting cage or a bullpen warrior where people are going to tell you all all these different numbers about vertical, horizontal, spin rates, how hard you throw at launch, and all this kind of stuff. But then once you have all these numbers, like on the range in golf, you can hit the ball a bazillion yards. But you got to go out and play golf. What happens when you short side yourself or you don't? You know, you got to go out and actually play the game to score. Baseball is the same way. You can sit in the bullpen, throw 100, and you can have a little moment. You, but if you can't throw strikes or if you're somebody who goes up to the plate, you can't run the bases, you can't play defense. So we have learned to – about all these great numbers where we can track what human beings and what kind of human you are, but do you know how to actually play the game when it's game time? That's something we need or we need to get better at. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. And, and, you know, all these sports, it's not just baseball or just society, the algorithms, the data is such a driver. Now, I appreciate that, especially as like a center fielder where I wanted – value to be seen in my defense. And there wasn't a whole lot of metrics saying, hey, this is why you're an asset. So I, I I applaud the idea of trying to find value. And the A's, look, they were a big part of this because they they started to see value in players that wasn't necessarily on the surface, you know, in the traditional ways. So there's, there's a definite positive there. But what it does, if you skew it so far one direction, you do lose a lot of the human element. Like a, a perfect example is this. Like I can say, all right, I'm on second base. And... I could steal third right now. So now the numbers will tell you, well, if I get caught, let's say it's one out or something, I get caught, the probability, my, my run probability, my chance of scoring a run, my run, expect, you know, the expectations, I'm saying this wrong, but terms wise, but the, the chances of me, right. So the chance of me scoring a run, if I get caught, let's say that goes down by, you know, 80%. But then if I get, if I make it, it only goes up by 40%, right? So what you start to look at is saying, well, if I steal this base, that what I've risked and what I lose by getting caught is much greater than what I gain by making it. And when you start to look at every equation like that, it's pretty easy to see why you just eliminate the stolen base altogether, right? So why, why take the risk? And, and the thing about, to me, the joy of the game or any sport or anything is actually the low percentage play. It's, it's the excitement of the impossible happening. And if you don't put a position, like a pitcher in a position to say, well, what would happen if I go into the seventh here? Individually, you, you do lose that. And you lose the warriors of the game, like, you know, Fernando Valenzuela versus Tom Seaver. Like, yeah, let's just see who can go 12 innings, you know, and, and that's kind of marketable. That's I used to love looking in the box for, oh, Steve Carlton versus Fernando yeah. or Mario Soto versus, you know, Ron Guidry or whatever, you know. So there, there there's trade-offs. And 
And I think that when you talk about the humanity, the human element, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that soul where everything's just numbers and stuff. Because you know, I remember talking to Barry Bonds at the cage one day, and he said, and it was, this is post-career, and he's like, okay, fine. You shift and put everybody all over the place. I get it. You might be able to keep me from hitting 400, but you're not going to keep me from hitting 300 with slugging percentage. <laughs> so Now, that's Barry Bonds. But the reality is like, yeah, I'm, if, if a person knows that can play to that, he just hits it over the shift, right? And, and of course, your whole game changes around it. But you're losing the athleticism, hit and run, stealing bases, seeing guys just putting balls in play. All that can get lost in the algorithms. And I think that's, that's where you have to try to do a reset. I think of Al Davis. Was it a high percentage play to throw the ball deep? No, but Al Davis always wanted to throw deep because it kept everybody honest all the time. And like you said, not high percentage, but sometimes you got to do stuff. I mean, I, I've been watching it, and I've been saying it because i got to do TV hits before every game, and I go, I'm tired of watching us have a starting pitcher come out in the fifth or the sixth inning without 100 pitches thrown to go to a bullpen that the number says the bullpens aren't very good. We keep running this exact same playbook over and over and over again. I'm like, what is there? And Dave Stewart, who does our television for pre and post, I'll say to Stu, I say, Stu, you never had a problem going 120 or 130. Why can't we just see if these guys can do it? Well, I mean, look, I we had Joe Madden on our podcast a couple of years, uh, last couple of years, and he described it pretty well. He said, all right, think of the auto industry. He's like, everybody is making the same car. Yeah, <laughs> I remember have the this. same information, right? We're using it and we're trying to parse it. And yeah, some teams have more money, but you're kind of working off of this shared data set. And, you know, and just so go back 80s or something, Cardinals on turf and they're running and and the Harvey's wall bangers and the brewers and these teams were so different, you know, and they took on different personalities. But when you have all the, the data that's shared, then you're just trying to like out data someone, right? You're trying to, and you, you lose something in that because it's, there's more to it. And look, I, like I said, I appreciate the, the science and the digging for information. You have the information. It's just like, we have all these cameras. You can't just make a, a call that everybody can see is wrong and just act like nothing happened. So you have to use the technology but I think that it's, you always have to push back and ask those questions so that you still maintain like, well, what kind of game do we want? Because, yeah, like you said, Dave Stewart, guys going into the ninth inning, it, you know, is that exciting? That's That could be exciting for the game. And and when you always like I did the game the other day, it was Dodgers, um, Dodgers in Atlanta. Freddie Freeman came back. So I was calling the game. Tony Gonsolin's on the mound. This dude is nine and oh, was like a one five. Now, granted, he didn't go always deep in the game. So sixth inning gets around, I think, and he gets two outs. He, he give it up a hit, gives up a hit, he's out immediately. And, and we talked to Dave Roberts for the game, and he's like, that's probably what's going to happen. So there's no like, hey, let me see what Tony Gonsolin's going to do and with first and third, a little bit tired, but, you know, see what we can get out of it, right? Because that builds something in Tony Gonsolin that if you get in this situation later, you're like, oh, I've been here before. Um, but it's not – and and so the the – the counter, I guess, is like, well, it's not about the individual's development, right? It's not about him. It's about like who's in the best position to get this out in this particular moment. And that's very different. But when you slice things into so many individual decision-making trees, it's very clear why you don't see the forest as well. And, and that's what we're battling a lot in baseball. Interesting that you were in Atlanta. I want to get your take on the whole Freddie Freeman 
uh, how it went down. Like, we understand he comes back. He's an all-time Braves great, gets his ring, a lot of hugs. There's some tears. But it kept going for days. Now, obviously, I'm in my own world doing A's games, so I've only got to see a little bit of Sunday night baseball and everything. It was Clayton Kershaw that had, I don't know if you're going to say cryptic, but it was a comment basically saying, hey, I get it. It sucked to leave and everything, but you're one of us, right? Like, you know the importance is us. You're a Dodger now. What did you take away from that series, Freeman's reactions, how do- some Dodger players took it? Just what was your what was your overall take after the series? I mean, I'll tell you, man, uh, wow. I mean, it, it was wow. Like, I'm still kind of, like, processing – being there and also just like reading today about Freddie Freeman and his agent and all these yeah. things. Like, wow. And, and so I think, well, let's take, to take you to the moment. Like, yeah, it was, it was really powerful. And, and we asked Dave Roberts in advance about all this stuff just to see. And so we we're just like, well, you know, what is it about? Okay. Moving on. Like gr- me coming up, they used to say, cut the cord, cut the cord. You're, you know, that's your, you know, we used to kind of get on each other about like the, the teary eyed past. But it is healthy, as Dave Roberts underscored. It's healthy. Like this is this. You were there for twelve years. It didn't. It didn't play out like you thought. Clearly, it's even more than we we understand in some ways. But he ended up in L.A. and obviously a great team. But yeah, that that's part of life, and you try to figure out how do you reconcile it. It's, it could be painful for a long time, and he's clearly still devastated. But as Dave Roberts also said. Freddie Freeman's still an assassin in the batter's box. <laughs> and by the way, he got the game-leading hit late in the game against his old team that he might be teary-eyed about. But he got in the box that he couldn't even compose himself. He was taking these deep breaths. He backed out. And Spencer Strider, the pitcher for the Braves, like stepped off the mound. I mean, it was deep. And this was just like the first at-bat of the third game of the series. So I, I, I think there's there's a lot to do with, the you know, it's hard to retain players for a lifetime. And if anybody was going to do it, we thought it was Freddie Freeman. Like we just felt whether Aaron Judge or whatever, but Freddie Freeman was that guy because he's beloved across the sport, but also in Atlanta. He kind of belongs to all of us. So it doesn't matter where he plays because he just has that baseball about him, you know. Uh, so that, you know, it's a miss. And I get Alex Anthopoulos. He gets a guy who's younger, who's, you know, good player, very good in Olsen. And he's like, hey, I got this guy for longer. And I'm, you know, I got free agent years and, I get the math of it, and I Adopolis was choked up about it in making that move. But it just seemed like it's clear it did not go as Freddie Freeman expected. And that is clearly still devastating. And and it's a, it's a big loss for everyone. But, you know, baseball will continue to move on. But as for teammates, you got to be careful. You got to be careful being like, hey, you know, why are you still – like he's still playing all-star baseball. <laughs> okay, He's still doing what he has to do. And it's very human, especially given the pandemic the last couple of years to look and be like, hey, you know, this is what I, I went through all these things with my family and these guys. Um, it's still part of me. And it's made me who I am as a player, which I can deliver to the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers are, are going to be a, a good team, no doubt. So um, but, yeah, there's a lot of pain there, man. A lot of pain still. Yeah, very obvious, too. You go through all that emotion and then after the series, you dump your agent. So clearly, he wanted to stay in Atlanta. Negotiations went sideways. At some point, we'll get the whole story. But that weekend, you know, actions speak louder than words, as they like to say. And that was a very telling weekend. Before we let you go, let's, uh, you got to buy stock in one team. 
I, I said yesterday, I can look at the Yankee numbers. I, I know one thing. The Yankees hit home runs. They score runs by hitting home runs. That's why, and, and you can give me all the different things that they have going now with this team, but in the end, when they get into postseason baseball, they're so reliant on home runs, I'm not buying it. Uh, I don't. You may be buying it. If you could buy stock in one team, I think the hmm. Astros, what they just showed you versus the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. But if you could buy stock, National League, American League, we're almost in July, so we got a long way to go. But if you could buy stock in one team right now, who would that be? Whew. That is a tough one. Um, it, it might be the Dodgers. It might be the Dodgers. Um, I mean, it's they have so – first of all, everybody, every time you're facing someone, they're an MVP – or runner up to an MVP <laughs> or an all-star. <laughs> I mean, they have 18 all-stars. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like they, the way they play, you know, I've seen them not, I've seen them play like so-so baseball, you know, they play the Cubs and, but they, they find different ways to beat you. You know, they can beat you late, beat you with speed. They beat you with power. They, they Freddie Freeman, you, whatever that, you know, he should have his own verb in there. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're also getting pitching from guys that are, you know, maybe what you would say is unexpected. And, and, you know, that's something to be said, like that, that you know that they have confidence in being able to throw anybody out there in their roster and, and win. And Robert said, like, he's like, our biggest enemy is us over of like mismanaging this roster. They, he had no like weakness. He could say, <laughs> he's like, well, if I run guys into the ground, and I get them hurt. Yeah. That's going to hurt us. You know, they, he didn't say yeah. like, I'm worried about the Astros or whoever. So, you know, but yeah, it's, People got to be healthy. That's what it comes down to, and and I saw the Yankees, and they're they're really good. They um they're pitching and their bullpen. You know, it, there's so many weapons. They're gonna have to figure out how to use them, and um and Judge is just playing out of his mind. And that's that's uh. But will Judge stay healthy? Will Stanton stay healthy? You know, I don't know. All of a sudden, when those guys aren't there, it's a different team. So and that's happened enough to say that that's probably the rule more the exception. So and then the Mets, you know. I look at the Mets and I see a team that's, you know, actually, you know, really good. Like they're, they do a lot of different things. And I, I, I watched this lineup and they, they go in the other way. They're beating the shift. They, you could see they have like a collective mentality around hitting to take what's given to them and they're executing. So I, I it's fun. I'll, I'll throw the Dodgers out there. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I want to see who makes what moves at the trade deadline and then who's just fortunate enough to stay healthy. Well, I got to tell you, it's always an honor to have you on the program. You always make our show that much smarter. Continued success with everything. The podcast with Jason Stark, the Hall of Famer. Uh, you mean a lot to our game. You're fantastic. And thank you so much. And uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Always love being on, man. So just remember, love baseball, man. And it's like, it's, it's for all of us. And uh, I, I hope it's, I use it for my show to bring people together and, uh, so we're all in this family, and we obviously clearly all love the game. So great to be on. Great stuff. Be well. All right, man. Take care. The great Doug Glanville right here on A's Cast Live. He is phenomenal. Phenomenal, Cody. I always like having Doug on. Smart guy. He went to Penn. He's an Ivy League guy. Yeah, He's not one of these phony Pittsburgh, University of California, Pennsylvania guys. He's a legit University of Penn, of Pennsylvania, Ivy League guys. You know, but I, wrote, I know this is way He's past. like one of those college guys. This is way past when we had him on, but when we had John Mabry on, he also went to, is in the same conference as myself and Lou Trevino. 
It's a lot of legends coming out of there. Joey Wendell's another one. It's a big deal. But I don't, I don't well, I would say conference, but who's the last guy to come out of the Mountain West in baseball? I mean, I was Big West, and your manager, Mark Kotze, uh, was a guy I played oh, against. Oh, I mean recently. Uh, Phil Nevin, another Golden Spikes, now suspended, another guy <laughs> I played against. Uh, Bobby Jones for the Mets, another Golden I played against three Golden Spikes guys. Three. It's pretty good. Yeah. Now we're, now everybody's in the SEC. It's not like it's like it's the SEC and everybody else. Is anybody else even playing in any sport anymore? Uh, college sports, no. I mean, who won the national title? Oh, that's right. That's a school from? For college baseball. That'd be the old Old Miss. Miss. <laughs> what? Old Miss? The Grove? I just supposedly they have, they have like the best parties going on at their football games. Before we get to BIP, that was the big all right. We, we, no, you need to remind me why I'm right and the callers of A's clubhouse are wrong. We'll do that after a bit. Let, why I'm right, why they're wrong. It's a new – It's a new, and we can play why they're right and I'm wrong, but today I've got evidence. I've got the data to go against the callers of the A's clubhouse show. Um, they were wrong and they owe me an apology. You made me think of it by bring, me bringing up old Miss. So the groom of the wedding that I went to in Texas. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Go ahead. All the right. floor is yours. All right. got about two minutes to explain this story. Go to Texas for a wedding in Fort Worth. With, it's my wife's cousin getting married to her fiancé, Matt. They've been together forever. They have a child together. They have a child together. They brought their child to my wedding. Uh, their daughter is going to be one in August, I believe. So we're in Texas. We're in Fort Worth. It's 4.30. My wife and I are both ready to go. I have the bolo tie on. We're ready to go this wedding. My wife gets a text from her grandmother, wedding's not happening. The groom calls it off at 4.30 when the wedding's at 5.30. Hour to kickoff. Hour to kickoff, canceled. So to make it even better. Was there lightning? No. Was there rain? Nope. Was there a tarp? Uh, no, it was, the wedding was inside anyway. It was 104 so this degrees was, out. Th- this, was, this was not weather related. Not at all. Earthquake. He might have had, wait for it, cold feet. Ooh. There you go. The weather is for cold feet. Yeah. So... It gets canceled. It's five. It's five. The wedding's supposed to be at five thirty. They still have the reception at six o'clock. You know, free booze, free food, all that stuff. So family comes. Okay, well, there's. I'm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. This sounds like a good wedding. Uh, so we go to the reception, hang out my my wife's grandparents. So what happened? Where where was the wedding supposed to be? It was supposed to be at this like real nice. Uh, it was at a hotel. The hotel drover. So you guys never go to where the wedding was supposed to be? Uh, no, because it was going to be outside. But the reception was inside the hotel in, this, okay. like, in a like, banquet So hall. you never have to be outside with the bolo tie? Uh, no, but it, but it was 104, so I'm glad it wasn't. All right. So the wedding gets canceled. We go to the reception. An hour into the reception, the bride and groom that didn't get married show up together. I, so <laughs> I don't even know like how to act. I don't even know, like, is this... Is this appropriate? I mean, I I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, so you've called off the wedding. You've got all these people who showed up from God knows where. You had to pay for flights, hotels, hotel, rental cars. Their special day. And it happened. And it doesn't happen. And then you guys show up for the party. Yeah. It was it was so weird. And like I I, I mean, I really do like her like a lot. Like I've gone to New Orleans for them for my wife's thirtieth birthday. Like we've done a lot of stuff with them. But it was just. 
it was weird, but the whole thing about Ole Miss is they told me how great parties are at Ole Miss because they live in Mississippi, but her cousin's from California, and he's from Mississippi, but they met at Colorado State where they went to school. It's a whole thing. But they told me Ole Miss games are phenomenal, and the, the Grove is awesome. So I plan on going to an SEC game this year. So there's the wedding story. I when kinda, are you going to an SEC game? I'm going to go. The, I'm going to go to Ole Miss. When? Sometime in the fall. Well, you're working through October, Mister. I got a ton of vacations. Uh, I got I got my honeymoon. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I know. You got your honeymoon, and now you're going. To, now you're going for football games. It's one football game. I could probably fly out Friday night. But that's not what you do. That's not what you do. You're not going to fly out Friday night for a Saturday game. What do you mean? I'm going to. A, I'm just checking you right now on the air because you seem to be you seem to be taking a lot of time off. I'm going to a wedding next Saturday in San Diego. Where well, this is not Twitter, where you don't have to ever show up to work. <laughs> All right. That's true. I right, only call Bip. But yeah, it, Draymond Green bold predictions for next year. It's not Draymond's fault. Former All Star kid from Oakland. Great Bip Roberts. There he is, Bipster. Hey, hello. hey, hey. What's happening? Oh, man, I'm coming through Crow Canyon. You know how that is. Yeah, 680 is, uh, are you right off 680 or where are you? No, I'm on Crow Canyon going through the valley, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah. How are you? It's been a while. Man, I'm good, brother. I'm enjoying this day, man. It's a nice day out, so I got to get in it. Well, we can't enjoy a nice day. The A's are at Yankee Stadium, and they need some wins, Bip. Boy, did you see that game yesterday? Unbelievable. Come on. Catcher's interference twice? You know, Tony, I say this every time we talk. You watch a game, you see something you've never seen before. It's just amazing how... You can sit there in front of this television and watch 162 games, and every day you're going to see something different, something you never expected to see, and then it always turns out to burn the A's in the end. Because in that situation, they they seemingly had the game in a position where they could win, and things were going their way. Yeah, they gave up a home run, one or two, and you know Yankees are going to continue to swing them bats, but to see how the inning started <laughs> and how it finished, I walked out the door and I came back. When I walked out the door, it was 5-2. When I came back, it was 6-5. All right. How long have you been playing baseball and now coaching baseball and broadcasting baseball? How long? Since I was four. <laughs> All right. Here, here's how this inning went. Walk, catcher's interference, hit batter, catcher's interference. Have you ever – seen anything like that never seen a rally started like that never seen a rally started like that now we've seen games where the leadoff walk turns around and haunts the team it, it burns you in the end but i've never seen walk and then you see catchers interference and then you see hit batsman and then you see catchers have you seen that many free passes that way in one inning ever i've never seen that before and the thing is, Bip, it's like one thing if you're doing that against Kansas City in Oakland and the majority of the country's not watching. It's another thing when the Yankees are in a historic run, everybody's watching the Yankees, and you do it. You just It's a really – I've been trying to stress to people really how bad of a look last night was. 
the media mecca of the world. That is the biggest stage you can play on. This is where every player, myself included, wanted to go and just do the best that I could possibly do, have some of the greatest games that you can have in front of New York Yankee fans because they're the ones. And I'll tell you like this, Tony. I live in Oakland. I used to live in Oakland. I played in for the Cleveland Indians against the Yankees in the playoffs. Some reason, I don't know how this happened. I ended up in a barbershop in Oakland where they're New York Yankee fans. And they didn't know who I was when I walked in the door. And then when I introduced myself, they said, we still hate you. I said, <laughs> why do you hate me? <laughs> we hate you because of what you did to the Yankees in 97. You just killed us. These fans are different from any other fan in the world. They have a, they have a memory that never goes away when it comes to their Yankees. They understand how big it is to be a Yankee fan and how big the Yankees are to them. And so that tradition will live on. It's lived on from Bay Roof until now that these guys understand the game a little different than we do here on the West Coast. And to, to go into New York yesterday and lose the game like that, the Yankee fans will never forget that inning. Just like you said that inning, they will never forget how they beat the Oakland A's basically by getting a, a, a rally started without a hit. And, and they, they got free passes more in a way that we've never seen before that turned around to end up winning the ball game and to have them leaving as though they're still the kings of the hill. And, and I just sometimes Yankee fans get on my nerves, but I really love the enthusiasm and the energy they show behind their team. And it never fails. They find a way to rally their team when it looks like they're not going to win a game. The, the Yankees find a way to rally and end up winning in the end. You know, the one thing I've talked about today, Bip, is pride. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because as a professional athlete, you don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to have a bad look. Talk to us about when you go to Yankee Stadium for the first time as a professional athlete, the way you want to carry yourself. It's just not for you and the organization. It's for yourself and your career and if you if you just have some like bad stuff go on, it, it it just it's it's a bad look for you personally. I can't stress it enough. It it is because again, you know, you're playing in New York, and every kid has dreamed of playing at Yankee Stadium. I, I don't think every kid has dreamed of playing at Milwaukee County, Fulton County Stadium. I never really dreamed about that. I dreamed about playing at Yankee Stadium someday and playing in front of the Bronx Zoo. Because you know that if you perform well, those fans are going to respect you. And I think that's why when I walked in that barbershop and they said, I, I, we still hate you, that was respect. And when you can get respect from a Yankee fan, you've literally made it in the game. And to get that respect that day, it let me know that when you play in New York and you play well, you will forever be remembered, be remembered as a player that came in the Yankee Stadium and just demolished us. And I think that's what every player thinks of when he goes and plays in Yankee Stadium. I want to show the Bronx Zoo. First of all, I want to quiet the Bronx Zoo when I come to the plate. And they want, and I want to get that respect from them when I go in the outfield. And I think that's one thing that as a player, you thrive on. That is where you get that pride of knowing that I just shut up the Bronx Zoo. I just made those guys quiet. Now, you're not going to pretty much keep them quiet because if you get a foul ball, and you want to throw it to them, they're going to give you the one-finger salute, like they always do. I mean, that's just the respect they're going to get. You know, when I think about continuity, and when I think about, you know, you're trying to build something, 
when you have a team that is losing a lot of games and you're talking about trying to build an atmosphere for the future, is it smart to constantly have a different lineup, to constantly have guys playing different positions? I know you want to explore. I know you want to try some things out. But when you constantly have change, you're constantly losing, you're constantly changing everything, is that good for a team that's trying to find its way? Or would you rather see maybe some guys hitting the same spot in the order, play in the same positions, see a little continuity for a week or so? Well, I think the idea is to have an everyday lineup. I think that's what most teams have you want to have some versatility in that lineup where you can move guys up or down according to the matchups. I think that with the A's this year, you just have a lot of question marks and at question marks have all started once you traded away 13 top players. I don't really expect those guys to play at the level of the Yankees. I really don't because the talent level is so different in both dugouts that you can't expect them to actually play on the same level with the Yankees. If they can win a game in Yankee Stadium, to me, that's an accomplishment. I mean, yeah, it's, they're both big league teams, and I get that. But the talent, talent level is so different. One team has a payroll of over $200 million, The other has a payroll of less than fifty, and And that's what you're going to get. You know, it's not easy for those guys in open A uniform to understand that when we face teams like the Yankees and Boston and, you know, a few other teams there, then we're at, a, we're at a disadvantage. They have players that make a lot of money because they are good, because they are some of the best in all of baseball. And you're playing a team that, when you're playing against the A's, you're playing a team that is rebuilding. you got a lot of kids who came up from AAA, a lot of kids who don't know their way around yet. I don't expect those rookies to be – on the same level as, as Aaron Judge or, or Stanton or, or, or Rizzo, guys like that. I just I can't expect my rookies to lead me to uh, beating teams like the, 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 the Yankees or the Red Sox and teams like that. I have to rely on the veterans that I have, and the veterans that I have have to have the talent to be able to compete. Well, we had that when we had those 13 guys before they were traded. We don't have those guys anymore. This is a totally different team. And I can't have the same expectations that I have for, for this team that I had for last year's team when I had a Chapman and Olsen and I had Marte and I had, you know, Harrison and I had all these guys who were just veteran guys in the league who played extremely well under extreme pressure. These kids right now, they have to find their way. And, and I can't expect them to be something that they're not right now. So, yeah, pride is always involved in it. But you also have to look at where these kids are in their walk when it comes to the big leagues. And they're just trying to find their way. Speaking of finding your way in the big leagues, when you look at whether you're putting Nick Allen at second, Nick Allen at short, Jonah Bride at second, whenever you're moving guys around, you got a veteran with Elvis that's normally in there, but you got a lot of moving pieces. Up the middle combinations, so much is about communication how tough is it to learn if you're the second baseman the shortstop or if you're the shortstop the second baseman how long does it take to get that click to get that chemistry between two guys 
takes a lot of game action because I have to know exactly what you're going to do before you do it. You know, I, I played with a guy, Gary Templeton. I played with Barry Larkin. I played with Omar Vizquel. Those guys can anticipate where you are going to be on a double play and where to give you the feed. And they would ask you, where do you want the feed? And every time that I said where I wanted the feed, that's where they put it. That's how good those guys were. And I just think that it just comes down to where during batting practice, when you're working with your, your shortstop or your shortstop working with your second baseman, you have to understand and, and, and get a feel for where he likes to feed. And I think that's where you start to get the communication. And then in the game, it just happens naturally. But I think as long as the shortstop and second baseman understand where a shortstop or second baseman wants that ball on the feed, then he can make that play. These guys are big leaguers. They should be able to make those plays. They should be able to make good feeds and should be able to give it to a, a guy where he wants it, where his comfort and his, his, his comfort zone when, before he turns a double play. When I used to talk to Gary Temple, he would say, where do you want it? I would say, I want it right here. And he would put it right there every time. <laughs> every time. Jump steady, as we called him, jump steady, because he was a smooth operator. He was a, a, a perfectionist when it came to making sure he got the ball to his second baseman in the sweet spot. And Kim Caminiti was the same way from third base. He would put it right in your sweet spot. Caminiti threw the ball so hard sometimes. You didn't even see it coming. You would just hope that it hit your glove because if it didn't, it would probably knock you to right field. But these guys, they understood where a second baseman wanted it when it comes to turning a double play. And we all worked on that in infield. And remember now, I was a guy who played second. I played some short. I played third. I played center. I played left. But when it came to that, to that work in the infield during the batting practice, I had to make sure that I was doing the right things that was going to help my club. I didn't want to get into a game and shortstop not know where I wanted to feed, and now he doesn't give me a good feed. I can't turn a double play, and we lose the ball game. So in infield, in during batting practice, you've got to work on those things when it comes to communication so that in the game, it just happens naturally. When you look at Nick Allen, give me your scouting report. What do you see? Scrappy. Uh, He's like a, a what's the name Eckstein that used to play with uh, the Angels. That's kind of what he reminds me of. Pure right-handed hitter. He plays shortstop at second base. Um, I think that he's got a ways to go when it comes to you know what we really consider him to be because he just got up here. I, I need a little bit more uh, of him to see exactly what type of player he is. He's got a decent speed. We can steal the base. It looks like he can use the whole field. Got a little extra pop sometimes, you know, where he can get in the gaps. Um, Sure-handed wherever he plays. Got a nice, strong arm. So he's got all the talent. He's got all the tools to become a nice little uh, player in the major leagues. Where he's going to play, that remains to be seen. I mean, right now, Andrus is the shortstop, and he can go over there and play second and play second well. You see, when they when they do, when they, or when they have the uh, shift on, He's not really having to move. He just moves and shifts. He just goes over to the little short right field because his arm is strong enough to throw a guy out at first. So that's an asset that he has. And, you know, with a small strike zone, that's another asset that he has. And to be able to drive the ball in the gap is something that not, not many people expect from his size. And, and being a, a, a smaller guy myself, I understand that and understand that, you know, he has to do everything right to be successful. And, I think he's that type of kid that is just, he's going to be hungry and he's going to stay hungry and he's going to always play hard. He made some good plays yesterday. And I just think that 
as we continue to watch him. We're going to kind of, you know, shake our head or nod our head. Yeah, you know what? This kid can play. And I think the biggest thing for him now is to find a way to where he plays well enough to stay and not continue to go back and forth to AAA. If you're Elvis, how do you handle the situation knowing that 550 plate appearances means that your contract for next year will be guaranteed at $15 million. The Rangers will not pay a dime of that. So the odds that the A's really want to get you to that is pretty slim. And you're looking at a kid like Allen, who is probably your replacement, who you're trying to help replace you. How do you handle that? Wow, Tony, that's a <laughs> kind of talking about me my last year, 1998 with the A's. I needed 50 at-bats at the uh, All-Star break, and I didn't get them. So there's ways that, and if they like you, they'll allow you to get that. And if they don't want to pay you, they're not going to allow you to get that. You know, that's the business part of the game. A lot of times that business part of the game is something that players don't like when it comes to how the contract or at-bats will affect their next year contract. Uh, I like Andrews. I really do. Um, but RDA is going to pay him $15 million. I just don't know. Just don't think so, especially the way business has been done the last few years. Anytime a guy has an opportunity to make some money, he's not going to be in that Oakland A's uniform. So I think Andrews' thing is right now is just to audition for every team in the league, continue to play well, show everybody that he hasn't you know, uh, deteriorated on the defensive side. Because everybody could use a great a shortstop that makes all the plays. Now, whether his bat's going to ever come around to being what it used to be, that's probably stretching it a little bit. But uh, he's a solid guy in the clubhouse, solid guy on the field. I love talking to him after A's games. I say, you know, Elvis has just left the building. I love to hear that. And he says, I love to hear that too. So there's a guy who really understands who he is, and he loves to play the game, keeps a smile on his face. And wherever he goes, he's going to brighten up that clubhouse. He's going to be a solid player on that team. So I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he gets his advance, and if he doesn't, I'm going to wish him the best when I see him because there's a kid, man, that does everything right, and he should be rewarded as he gets to the end of his career. So we'll just have to wait and see. But as we know, a lot of times when it comes down to at-bats getting you the, the next year in the future, sometimes teams have a way of not allowing you to get that. They always have that little player that they feel they can go out there and he needs to, to get more action, and they kind of weed you out. So let's hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, again, like I just said, I'm going to wish him nothing but the best because he's nothing but a classy player, and he's a good dude. And I wish him nothing but the best. We saw a stolen base yesterday by him in the second inning. I mean, he can still move. We act like he's an old man. He's what? 33 years old. It's not like we're talking he's like 38 or 40. <laughs> right, man. He can still play, and he makes his plays. I, I don't see him being overmatched. I see him at times having good swings. I see him at times getting out because the pitcher's just better that day. Uh, and I see that around the league everywhere. So he's no different than anyone else when it comes to the offensive side. But on that defensive side, he continues to make plays. He hasn't lost any range. He still has a good arm from shortstop. He still makes uh, routine plays look easy, and he makes a tough play look easy at times. So he hasn't lost much. And as we know, a lot of times when guys leave the Oakland A's and they go put on another uniform, they become all-stars. So let's just wait and see. Yeah, if you could – let's end on this. If you could give some advice to Mark Kotze as a first-year manager, he's got to hold this thing together. There's going to be a lot of losses. There's going to be a lot of movement. You've played on some bad teams during your career. You've covered some bad teams. 
What advice yeah. would you give Mark Kotze for the rest of the season? Well, you know, not, not being a manager and not having the opportunity to actually make these decisions myself, if I was to just put myself in his shoes for one day, I would say, you know what? When I bring this reliever in, if he's doing well this inning, I'm going to leave him in. And if he does well the second inning, I'm going to leave him in. And then when he gets in some trouble, then I'm going to bring in another guy and hopefully he can get the job done. But when I see a guy is hot out there, I'm going to just leave him in. I mean, what do I have to lose? If he's hot and he's, he doesn't have stressful innings, I'm going to leave him in. I don't care about no matchups. I don't care about analytics. I don't care about no stats. If my guy is hot that day, I'm going to leave him in because he's going to give me a chance to win this game. So that would be the only thing, you know, because, again, the, the lineup that he's working with, he's got to find ways to put the matchups in, in order. Now, sometimes you might want to keep Brownie in a situation where he can be a guy that drives in runs and hits with power. you got to keep these guys in the positions where they're comfortable. I'd walk around, I'd ask them, where do you feel comfortable hitting? And that's where I would leave them. And then I would just, just leave it like that. And anytime a guy needed a day off, I would fill him in with a guy that I feel like he has a, a good matchup against that pitcher. But all in all... I mean, he's kind of kind of got his hands tied. And I would just, if I could give him any advice, I would say hey, just leave my reliever in a little longer if he's hot. If he's cold, get him up out of there as quick as he can. But if he's hot, let him go as long as he can so I can get to my closer. And then hopefully we'll, we'll have more runs on the board than the other team at the end. Bibster, you're the best. I'm sure we're going to be doing some TV together coming up here because I got a bunch of July dates. So we'll see you in the studio. Yeah, I'll see you in July, buddy. Yeah, buddy. We'll see you. Hey, hey, are you going to be bringing – are we doing ribs again? or is your? I mean, what's up with your guy and his smoker? (laughs) I'm not working on the forest. I can't bring him in, bro. Uh, It's firework night. You're smart. It's a night game. I'll see you soon, my brother. Take care. The great Bip Roberts, the former All-Star, the kid from Oakland. You see him on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California. As, yes, I have a bunch of dates coming up here in July. I'll be working with my man, Bip. You know he was one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, yes. you. I'm surprised you didn't mention it this time. Usually you mention that Bip was one of your favorite players and not your favorite player. Well, no, your favorite player was George Brett. So. Well, it was it – was, it was – George Brett was one. Tony Gwynn was two. Nolan Ryan was three. You mean this? Nolan that Ryan? guy. That guy. This guy. Ah, I loved Nolan Ryan when I was a kid. I wanted. I, the, but the, and you and you know who I also love. But now it's like really because as much if if I got to do it for Bonds, I was also a big Roger Clemens guy. Uh, well, I mean, he won how many signings? Seven. He only won seven. That, that's it? I know. Stu owned him. I get it. I work with Stu. Love Stu, too. But my top three, Brett, Gwynn, Nolan Ryan. And if you think, oh, really? I went back to see Brett and Nolan Ryan inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I went there. I saw it. Oh, quickly. You know what? We're going to break. We come back. we we'll to pay some bills. We come back. Well, we only have, like, We'll only have, like, two minutes left. Why I'm right and the fans and the callers are wrong. Next on A's Cast Live.
Many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Do you remember last year? A's had playoff hopes. What time's the game today? Uh, well, pregame's at 3.05, so you better get through this quickly. Oh, my God. A's, playoff hopes, Rangers come to town, Joey Gallo smokes the A's. He had a killer three-game series. You remember that? Yes. Then he had like four home runs or something or five. He just torched the A's, and every caller was like, the A's need to trade for Joey Gallo. No one was even looking at Marte at that point. Everybody wanted Gallo. And I said on the postgame show, the A's clubhouse show, why would you want to get another strikeout guy? Home run strikeout guy. We don't have enough of those guys. You're wrong, Tony. This is the guy they need. He can play outfield. He can blah, 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 blah. They had every reason why David Force and Billy Bean need to go get this guy. Joey Gallo is the missing piece. Oh, I remember all this. You remember I, that? Because I was one of the guys. And I was an idiot. I had people go, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Joey Gallo is hitless in his last 21 at-bats with 11 strikeouts. Since making his debut, remember when you wanted him, A's fan? Remember? Had a great weekend, got a trade for him. Joey Gallo, since acquired by the Yankees, is hitting a buck 64. That's last year, July 30th. Not a small sample size. How many strikeouts do you think he's got? That's not fair. I have it already. 170. 170. Only Patrick Wisdom has 180. More than him. And Wisdom hits more home runs. That's St. Mary's Patrick Wisdom. Joey Gallo, the guy you want to trade for, has hit once in a ballpark built for him, not the Coliseum, Yankee Stadium, 164 with 170 strikeouts. That's the guy you wanted? That everyone did, but now we now what's now we see what's going on. So playing the game, callers are wrong, host is right. Who's the winner? As of right now, you. In that situation, I don't win many, but I want I, I. Put my stake in the ground and stood by my guns on that one. Going, I do not want Joey Gallo. I do not want another home run strikeout guy. Yeah, and well. It's- Played out because the Yankees uh, gave up a good bit for him. I mean, Josh Smith is now playing for them at third base, but they uh, they dodged the bullet, or the Rangers, by like, holding on to him, and they got some value for him because he can't hit. Craig Carlton wanted them off the Yankees like three weeks ago. I have the quote. I'll read it tomorrow or read it on Thursday. But He's terrible. He literally is terrible. Yeah. And A's fans wanted him. Can you imagine we are still stuck with him in last place with a guy that can't hit? Yeah, it'd be terrible. And you're paying him. That's what you wanted? I mean, he's That's not really that what you wanted. Yeah. 
So in the first edition of Host is Right, Callers are Wrong, I'm 1-0. True. Doesn't always work that way. No. There's been plenty. Of, I was wrong about Pache earlier today. He hit better than I thought in the minor leagues. True. And, yeah, you admitted you were wrong, just like I did about Detroit. Well, it's the first time you've ever admitted you're well, wrong. Let's, we'll see how many more times I do that. I'd probably not a lot. I was wrong about my first marriage, too. You're 0 for 1 in uh, that category, too. Yeah. We'll see how number two works. We want to thank the great Doug Glanville. We want to thank Bip Roberts. Coming up next is A's Total Access. Oh, by the way, Ray Fossey and Derek Jeter. This is going to be awesome. Thank you for listening. We got the day off tomorrow. We're back on Friday. What time? Uh, Thursday at 4. We'll have the big vote to talk about. That's true. Hopefully Dave Cavill will be by. Uh, hopefully Friday. Friday at what time? Uh, Friday, same time, 4. But I don't know when Cavill will be. I'm working on that still. Friday at 4? That's what sh- Thursday and Friday, both at 4. It was our show time. Thursday and Friday. I yes. forgot. Tomorrow's Wednesday. It's a day game. We'll see everybody on Thursday, 4 o'clock, A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.